0: you so much for your presence this morning. Good to see you, Deacon. Feeling better? Amen. Those of you who don't know, Deacon Baysmore has been under weather the last week. Uh, he went on vacation and forgot to come back and uh, went to that Florida heat and got a little disappointed down there, but he's feeling good now, so we honor God for that. I do hate to inform you this morning of the passing of Sister Romaine Brown on yesterday evening, Um, We certainly want to be in prayer for Sister Denny and for Sister Brown's family as well. Um, But uh, I can certainly say without question, it was a peaceful journey. Uh, Her transition was quite peaceful, and uh, we just honor the Lord that she no longer has to go through the challenge in which she was encountering, Uh, but now she lives at freedom, and her body has transitioned from that of pain to now that of praise. And we honor the Lord for her privilege of being able to do that. Amen. I want you to join me this morning in 1 Kings chapter 18. 1 Kings chapter 18. And I want to read selected passages this morning. 1 Kings chapter 18. As we continue our journey in comprehending through the life of the prophet Elijah what it means to be challenged by silent killers. In his case, we're soon to see it will be eventualized the killer of depression and how we live behind the mask on a daily basis to mask that challenge to which we're constantly encountered with. But yet we're learning our hope through the life of Elijah that although we may have those masks to which we wear, we still can be victorious If we trust the Lord and believe that God's word will indeed bring us out and provide for us the necessary vision that we need to be victorious. Uh, Let me also highlight, I often want to say thank you so much, Sister Tamara. Sister Tamara provides the percussions for us when the Zik choir is singing. And she does such a wonderful job. Thank you so kindly. Uh, I like those little chimes that she throws in there that just makes it sound so sweet and peaceful. 1 Kings chapter 18, let's begin at verse 1 and 2. Now it came about after many days that the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year saying, Go show yourself to Ahab and I will send rain on the face of the earth. So Elijah went to show himself to Ahab. Now the famine was severe in Samaria. Drop down to verse 7. Now, as Obadiah was on the way, behold, Elijah met him and he recognized him and fell on his face and said, is this you, Elijah, my master? And he said to him, it is I. Go say to your master, behold, Elijah is here. And then if you would drop down to verse 16, so Obadiah went to meet Ahab and told him, and Ahab went to meet Elijah. And it came about when Ahab saw Elijah that Ahab said to him, Is this you, you troubler of Israel? Amen. You may be seated. There's an episode in the life of Jesus you may very well be familiar with. We call it. By way of caption, when you read it in the text, the Mount of Transfiguration, it's a moment in which Jesus and the disciples ascend up on the top of a mountain, and while they are there, something revelatory happens in the presence of those disciples who are with Jesus, Peter, James, and John. What happens is that while they are on top of the mountain worshiping, Elijah and Moses appears to the disciples. Peter becomes so overwhelmed by their presence that he asks Jesus, he says to Jesus, first of all, it's a good thing for us to be here, i.e. it's a good thing for us to be in fellowship with each other, and it's a good thing for us to be in this place of worship. And then Peter says, Lord, let us build three tabernacles here, one for you, one for us, and one for those who have visited us. And the Lord kind of reminds Peter that this is a great place to be here on the top of the mountain in worship, But the real work takes place at the bottom of the mountain. There is a distance between worship and work. The distance is that when we go to worship, we go to be refueled, we go to be replenished, we go to refocus, we go to be re-empowered, we go for prayer, we go for fellowship, we go to make sure that we have the interconnection between one another. We go to a mountaintop experience when we are here at the Mount of Transfiguration because the mountain in the Bible always recognizes and illustrates we have ascended up to the presence of God and God meets us there and something magnificent happens. But when we leave the mountain, We can only do the work of worship by way of ministry if we come back down to where the rubber meets the road. And it's the reality of where we have to deal with on a consistent basis. We we can have a great time in worship on Sunday, but the real world, when we come out of these four walls, faces us when we go back to either a home that might be seared with disturbances, one that we are so glad to go to church because we get a chance to get a bit of freedom from that stuff at the house, or we have to go to another world in terms of our workplace to be confronted by people and systems that challenge us and that challenges our spirituality. But the real world is not necessarily here in these four walls of worship but work takes place in a diverse setting where we're met by diverse people so we find in the life of Elijah now as his ministry progresses as we leave chapter 17 Elijah we left him really in his prayer closet for that is the analogy of what we find in Elijah he is in Zarephath He is using a room in the widow's house. Remember, we last left him where the widow's son has been met by sickness, which eventualizes in death. And Elijah takes the boy upstairs to his private room, prostrates himself over him three times, prays, asks God, give him his life back. His life comes back. Elijah brings the boy back to his mother passes her mother passes the son to his mother and his mother says now I know that the words you speak in your mouth are the actual words of God but now Elijah has to leave the prayer closet remember also for three years I want to call it a prayer closet he's in He's in uh, the brook Cherith, and nothing is happening other than just him and God, and he's being fed, remember, by the ravens morning and evening. He's drinking from the brook. But now he has to leave that prayer closet space of isolation, and now he has to come and be confronted by the pathetic character of Ahab. So verse 1 and 2 1st King 18 tells us that God says now Elijah I want you to go again and present yourself to Ahab and then to let him know that it's going to rain but read the verse closely God tells Elijah go and do what I say and I will send The rain. All I want you to do is to do exactly as I've told you go and show yourself to Ahab. Now, Elijah has to go back to where he started from to confront Ahab one more time. And he has to do this because, in order for his assignment to come to completion, he's got to go back to the starting point that God initiated for him to begin his prophetic ministry. Sometimes God places us in strange places where he gives us a calling or he gives us an assignment and the assignment initially is troubling enough and I get through the troubling initiation of the assignment and I'm finally past that and I'm happy because I got through it, I'm wiping my brow, it's over with, thank goodness, not aware that God is going to require me to go back to the same space again and do a different assignment but with the same people. And remember, there are three primary characters in this first 18 verses of 1 Kings chapter 18. Three characters, Elijah, Ahab, and a man named Obadiah. There are three questions that this section of text really raises for us that I want us to wrestle with. And as you go through the course of the week, think about how these questions affect your own life as you try to make it through day to day. So Elijah now has to go back and tell Ahab, I'm here again. But I'm here again because remember the first time I talked with you, I told you it wouldn't rain for three and a half years according to my word. Now I'm back again and I'm back to tell you it's going to rain. But it's not going to rain until there are a few more hoops we're going to have to jump through for God's divine plan. That heightens the challenge for Ahab. Listen to the text. Verse 2 of 1 Kings 18 says it this way So Elijah went to show himself to Ahab, and the famine was severe in Samaria. So not only must I go talk to Ahab, but I've also got to go back to the strange environment to which I was so glad when he called me to Zarephath that I didn't have to deal with anymore. So isn't it something that God gives you promotion, but not away from the environment to which you've been promoted. You get to still hang around the same people, you just got different responsibilities. But you're still gonna have to encounter those same persons, those same personalities, those same attitudes, those same behaviors, but at a different rate and a different state. Because there's a reason why God promotes you in that environment that you want so desperately to get out of. And you want to get out of it because you believe that if you go to another environment, that it can at least can't be as bad as this environment. And how many of you know that when that does happen, you find out later on that where you now are is worse than where you were before. In fact, let's be honest. Come on, let's keep it 100 We know that we say in our minds, man, I should have stayed where I was. At least I knew the people. I knew how to handle the people. I knew what they were going to do. I knew what to expect every day, but I got to this new level and I got to this new location. Man, some of these folk are treacherous, evil. And I don't know what to think or what to anticipate or expect from them because I don't know them that well because I'm in a strange new environment. But remember, I prayed, Lord, give me a promotion. And you got what you prayed for. Now, God promoted you because remember, if you ask God, to build you then God's going to do what stretch you and in stretching you he's going to place you in an environment where you no longer can remain in a comfortable state see at least in the environment where you were before you came in every day you knew everybody you knew everything you knew how everybody was you know how the circumstances was you know how the politics was and you really did your thing because you have adjusted your life your work life to that context and didn't much change you nor did it challenge you because you knew everything and you knew everybody and what you were doing was just merely passing time. But your prayer was, Lord, I want to grow and I want to do better and I want to be more of what you would have me to be. And God says, that's all I want to hear. So promotion comes down your pike, and now you're promoted to a new environment and you're sitting there every day tapping your fingers. Lord is this what I really ask for and God says no it's not what you asked for but it's what you gonna get right now because I'm stretching and I'm making you because you said you wanted to be more like me and less of who you are and now Elijah I'm certain in his isolated prayer time because remember as God is feeding him providing for him as a famine is in the air and he's not struggling for anything you know he's praying man this is the way to go i want to be more like the lord so god can provide all of my needs and you watch the progression when the famine gets more severe or it comes to a close where all the water, the brook is dried up, he moves him, as I told you, before to enemy territory. He's in a widow's house now, and God is using the widow to meet his need. And then God says, here's another promotion. Now I want you to go back to Ahab and tell him it's going to rain but god never tells ahab to i mean never tells elijah to tell ahab it's going to rain read verse 1 again he tells him in 1 kings 18:1 you go show yourself and i will send the rain what i want to do is i want you to see if you can be obedient to my word even when i don't tell you to do it yeah yeah see and so now Elijah has to do that and he's back on his way trying to meet Ahab. Doesn't meet Ahab, Ahab immediately. He's on his way to Samaria. But on his way, says the text, Ahab, let's look at what Ahab is doing. Ahab calls Obadiah who was over the household of Ahab and Obadiah feared God greatly. Why is this important? Obadiah is a brother Almost like Nehemiah, he's got a good government job. No, no, seriously. He's got a good government job. What's, what's, the, high, uh, what's the highest GS? What is it called? SES. SES. Ms. Wall. Ms. Wall, what's the highest government level you can go? Senior executive. Yes. Senior executive oh, that's what SES means, senior executive. Okay. Okay. You got to think about this. Nehemiah, And Obadiah are fulfilling that role. Remember, Nehemiah is the cup bearer to the king. Now, that means that part of Nehemiah's job is to test all the food that comes into the king's presence. That also means that if anything wrong with the food, guess who's going to die first? That's a big-time job. Now, you and I would be like, that ain't no big-time job to me, but that's a big-time job. Why? Because Nehemiah is a foreigner to the king, Artaxerxes, who's a Persian king. Obadiah is a foreigner to Ahab. Here's what that means. Obadiah's job is to see over the whole household of the king. So his job is to make sure that the palace runs efficiently on a daily basis. Food is there. House is clean. The king's garments are in place. Everyone is following through on their job. He is in charge of the king's staff. I mean, his job is to make the king's home its castle. That's a serious job. But Obadiah has a twist, a problem. Obadiah, we'll use modern term vernacular. It wouldn't apply then, but we'll use it because you'll better understand it. Obadiah is a Christian working for a non-Christian man. Because Obadiah knows by being in the position that he's in, he also knows a whole lot of secrets about Ahab that don't nobody outside of the palace knows. And yet Obadiah has to live his godly life in an ungodly context. Now, you want to see how that works? Think about your own job. Here you are, a believer, trusting the Lord dearly, and you work for a particular person who not only doesn't believe in God, but doesn't believe in anything that you have to say or do as well. And you are still expected by the expectations of God to shine in a dark space. And even in the presence of a boss who would probably do all he or she could to offend or to pressure you just because you have a religious conviction in your heart, Obadiah has to deal with that kind of situation. Listen to what the text says. Verse 4, it came about when Jezebel destroyed the prophets of the Lord that Obadiah took a hundred prophets and hid them by fifties in a cave and provided them with bread and water. Now here's what you don't see. Remember Ahab nor Jezebel knows that Obadiah is a believer in Yahweh. They don't have a clue that Jezebel, who sent out a word to kill all of the Hebrew prophets that you can find, Obadiah took his quote-unquote Christian stand and said that I may not can save them all, but I can save some of them. And he took those few that he found, that hundred, and hid them in the cave, watch this, and made sure on a daily basis they had bread and water and what did he do watch it when God puts you in an interesting place Obadiah is in Ahab's house and Obadiah is not only eating well but Obadiah also knows what's wasted in the house can we suggest that what Obadiah did was I mean I can take it directly from the table But I know what they're going to throw away later on tonight and I will just simply get what's going to be thrown away and make sure it gets to the prophets who are hidden in the cave until God works out a way that they will be able to come back out in public and God will do that. Eventually we're going to see but Obadiah is blessed enough where he's sitting right next to the power structure and the power structure don't even know they're being used by God to bless some of God's prophets who are being hidden in which they're trying to destroy and when God has a plan for your life, doesn't matter what the enemy attempts to do, God will always make sure that there'll be the supplied need that you need to make sure that you'll survive whatever they're trying to challenge. There's somebody in the house this morning, they know there was some folk who tried to cut them out and cut them down and destroy them and tried to make their life a living hell. But what did God do? Every twist that they took, God was right there to provide a way to open a door. And every opportunity they took to try to shut you down, God would always stand you up. Because even when you are in the middle of a space where you are working for somebody who is ungodly, you maintain your godly character and watch God work all things together for your good. Now Obadiah was in a good spot. I mean, he could have shown up, told some stuff on the king that could have messed up their whole entire life. But Obadiah knew this ain't the time nor the place, and it's also not my role. I'm not called to destroy the king. I'm called here at this point in time to save these prophets that I can save. And as a result of that, he ended up saving a hundred prophets, and he hid them in the cave. Watch this. How would Ahab not know where the cave was. It's your kingdom. You should know where every crook and cranny is in this place. Ah, because when God is at work, God knows how to work it all for the good. And he knows how to hide and keep. And you can walk right before them. They'd never see you walk right past. How do I know that? Because the book of Acts in chapter 12 tells us that when the angels came to release Peter from prison one night, the prison guards didn't even see Peter as he walked out with the angels right before their face on out into freedom. Because God can work it like that. We got it like that. So here's the first question Ahab's going to have to answer with. Ahab's going to have to wrestle with What if what Elijah said is true? What if it really hasn't rained for the last three years because he really has a word and he spoke it and it came to pass? What what if this fool is actually that powerful? What if he can speak like that And stuff can happen. See, I'm going to believe, I told you before, I'll tell you again. You should be telling your boss, you ought to be glad I'm in this place working. You should be glad I'm here because you know why? I'm connected to the God of salvation. And I can pray and ask God to open doors or work some things out in this place and God will do it and you won't have any idea how it's working that way. And it's not because of you, it's because of me representing God in this dark space and God working through me. And you should be on your knees thanking God that he sent me to this place to work in this place. I know you can't see it, but this is what God is saying. You should be able to blow the mind of your boss by saying, I wonder if what they're telling me really is true. That God does answer prayer And i tell you how you'll find it out Let something happen to their family Let something tragic happen in their life And they don't know where to turn But they will remember you in the back of their mind And they will in their own private way Contact you and ask you I, I, I know I, I don't have anything to do with God But I, I believe that you do would you, would you pray for me? Would you pray for my wife? Would you pray for my children? Would you pray for my mother? Would you pray for my situation? Now, if I wanted to be evil, I'd say, why are you asking me? No, you pray your own self. But that's not what God's called me to do. That's an open door. And what I'm going to do is say, you know what? I'm going to pray for you right now. And then I'm going to put you on the prayer list at my church. And then I'm going to remember you in my personal prayer time. And this is what I want you to do. Go to church this week. Find you a church to go to. If you don't know God, get to know him because this is God's way of opening a door because the reality is by you not knowing him, God is trying to call you to a space where you can get to know him. Now you're in a condition where the rubber is going to meet the road. You really need to know who God is in a very personal way. And then they'll walk away saying to themselves, I I wonder... Oh, and don't let that person get healed. Don't let that thing work out. Don't let that thing work together for the good. And they'll come back and you ask them, how's things coming along? Oh, I didn't tell you. It's working great. Uh-huh. Didn't I tell you? I told you what prayer will do. And then they'll say in their minds later on, that, they really do got that kind of power. No, it's not me. I don't have the power, baby. It's the person that's working in me by the name of Jesus the Christ. That's, that's where the power lies. But Ahab's going to have to wrestle with this. And that's your assignment. That's why you can't reduce yourself where you are. You got to stand tall in the midst of where you are and keep on declaring God's word in this house so that your boss can kind of wonder, do you really know what you're talking about? But here's a better question. Obadiah. Obadiah, a godly man in an ungodly context, is going to have to answer a question in his own life. Watch this as the text unfold. So the Bible says in verse 5, Ahab says to Obadiah, let's go through the land and see if we can find springs of water and to all the valleys, perhaps we'll find some grass and keep the horses and the mules alive and not have to kill some of the cattle because the famine is severe. Now he needs grass. He needs water. He's in desperate Need of these provisions. Verse 6 So they divided the land between them to survey it. Ahab went one way by himself, and Obadiah went another way by himself. Verse 7 And Obadiah was on his way, and behold, Elijah met him, and he recognized him, fell on his face, and said, Is it you, Elijah? Never met Elijah before, but heard about Elijah. No doubt, Probably got word Elijah is responsible for this drought because he spoke the word. When he meets Elijah, is it you? Look what Elijah says. Oh, yeah, it's me. And he said to him, It is I, go. Say to Ahab, Elijah here. Elijah is here. Now, Obadiah is wrestling because Obadiah's got two things on his mind. Uh, Number one, you want me to risk my job, good government job, with benefits, retirement, privileges I got folk under me you want me to risk my job to tell Ahab that you here now here's the second thing I, I, I guess you don't know this but newsflash: Ahab been looking for you cause you're responsible for all this that we're going through and here's the problem I have if I go and tell Ahab I found you and you say you're gonna meet him and you don't show up, guess who Ahab gonna come looking for? Not you, because obviously you're not there. He gonna come looking for me, bro, me. Uno, no, me. You want me to give up that for you? Watch this spiritual principle. I had to write it down so I wouldn't forget it. Here's what Obadiah's problem is going to be. Obadiah is going to have to wrestle with this question. Dang, now I got to find it. I knew I wrote it down. Oh, shoot. What did I do with it? Oh, shoot. Oh, here it is right here. Ooh, I was getting to say. Obadiah. This is, this is Elijah saying to Obadiah, this is Murphy's imagination, Obadiah, why are you trying to fit in when you were born to stand out? <laughs> Obadiah, you weren't born to conform to Ahab's expectation You were born to live larger than who Ahab is. You weren't born to fit in. You were born to stand out. In other words, Elijah is trying to tell us through Obadiah, I know you got a good government job, you got a good job, period. But don't ever think you got to fit in to survive. Because the God of your salvation gave you that God, gave you that job, and if God gave it to you, then it becomes God's responsibility to bless you with another. But don't fit in when you are called to stand out, and stand out means I'm different, I'm odd. It's a privilege when they when they come around you. I used to didn't like people to do this, but I, I got it now. When they come around you. say anything you know he preaching he he can't say anything he preaching man that's right respect who i am respect what i do and respect what i represent i used to tell people no don't do that because you're gonna act anyway. you're gonna act anyway so go on act the way you're gonna act because i already know how you're gonna act anyway but then i got the thing wait a minute hold on I'm supposed to stand out, and whenever they come in contact with me, I should be persuasive enough to make a difference in their life. I remember there was a time, and God God knows, I know it's true, when I was a young boy growing up in ministry in Alexandria, we used to have alcoholics who were on the street corners, and somehow... They could be drunk coming down Patrick Street, but when they got to princess right there at the corner of Princess and Patrick and they saw that church, I don't know how, but on their way across them steps, they got sober all of a sudden and sober enough where they could even sit down on them steps and just remain there until they got completely sober. Why? Because there was something about what that steeple represented that caused them to recognize that this place stands out in the midst of all of this darkness. And when they see you, they want you to fit in, but don't you dare fit in. You stand out because God puts you there for a reason. Your light is meant to be a beacon of hope to somebody who may have an alternative lifestyle to a point where they need some direction to lead them back to the base of which they were intended to be. You are not meant to fit in. You don't adopt their language. You don't adopt their ways of existence, of their ways of doing. You be who you are as a Christian because you have a distinctive mark that causes people to recognize who you are so much so that, again, when trouble comes down their pike, they know exactly who to call you because your light is constantly beacon. And now Obadiah has to wrestle with, do I keep fitting in or do I stand out? Because his challenge is, do I go and tell Ahab what Elijah says to risk my life or do I tell Elijah, man, you got to find somebody else. I am not going to risk what I had to work so hard to get. Watch what the text says. Fast forward, if you will. Verse 10, as the Lord your God lives, there is no national kingdom where my master has not sent to search for you. And when they said he is not here, he made the kingdoms or the nations swear that they could not find him. In other words, let me tell you this first of all, Elijah. have been looking for you everywhere he goes. He makes them swear that they have not seen you, nor could they ever find you. And if they are lying, look at the text. If they're lying, he'll take their life. But verse 11. Now you are saying, Go tell Ahab Elijah is here, and it will come about when I leave you. Here it is that the Spirit of the Lord will carry you where I do not know. So when I come and tell Ahab he cannot find you, he will kill me, although I, your servant, have feared the Lord from my youth. Listen to what the text says. Has it not been told to my master what I did when Jezebel killed the prophets of the Lord and I hid a hundred prophets by fifties in caves and provided them with bread and water and now you tell me go tell him I'm here Elijah is here Elijah says as the Lord of hosts lives before whom I stand I will surely show myself to him Check this out. Elijah said, Man, he's laughing. (laughs) I know this is serious, man. No, I don't mean to be humorous, man, but for real, I'm going to show up. I'm going to be there because my assignment is predicated upon my presence of meeting Ahab. Obadiah says, I'm going to trust you. Elijah says, No, trust the Lord. And sometimes God points us to go and do some things we know is a high risk. But that's when God is stretching me to trust him when I can't trace him. And as a result, I launch out. So draw the analogy as I come to a close from Peter. They, they, they see Jesus walking on water toward them. They raise the question, who, who is it? It looks like a ghost. And Jesus says, it is I. But Peter says, if it's really you, stretch me. That's Murphy's vernacular. Here's what he said. Bid me to come out there where you are. And I have no way of getting out there. Don't miss this miracle. Don't miss this. I have no way of getting out there. Because anybody else can't, can't do that. that. There's no way they can get me out there unless I swim to where you are. But, but if you are a ghost, how can I find you? I don't know where you are. But if you are the Christ, command me to come where you are. And you know what the gospel says? Peter stepped out of the boat and walked on water. Man, it took a lot of faith to believe that. It took a lot of faith to believe that. If you don't think so, I challenge you, go out there to the Potomac right now. Start walking. I, I, I will guarantee you, outside of one step, you, you'd be hollering like Peter, Lord help me, because Rudolph Bokman said that, that really didn't happen. He he could be right, could not be right. I'm not arguing that point. Here's the point that Bolkman says. But it's an analogy, it's an example to show us that God bids us sometimes to walk into the unknown and the impossible. And not even know how we're going to get from point A to point B. But I just got to trust God. And now Elijah is telling Obadiah, you just got to trust me and trust the Lord. more importantly, that if I tell you that I'm going to be there, I'm going to be there. But trust God that he's not going to take me away and I won't be there. And listen to what the text says. Because Elijah also has a question he must wrestle with. The text says in verse 16, so Obadiah went to meet Ahab and told him and look what the text says and Ahab went to meet Elijah and look what verse 17 said when Ahab saw Elijah he said to him is it really you the one who troubles Israel and Ahab didn't know he was setting himself up because Elijah says no it ain't me who's troubled Israel is you. Because you've forgotten in the book of Deuteronomy that God says whenever you are a king, the first thing you must do is honor the Lord thy God with all thy heart and all thy soul and all thy mind. And you have left God to lead Israel to become idolatrous worshipers of Baal. And watch this. And Elijah says, We are now at a space, verse 18. Not only have uh, I not troubled him, but because you have forsaken the commandments of the Lord and followed Baal, now, here's what I want you to do, since the rubber gonna meet the road. I want you to call all your folk together. We're gonna meet at Mount Carmel. Now Elijah has to wrestle with this question. I'm talking big, do I believe it? Because Elijah said, first of all, it ain't going to rain. It didn't rain. Now Elijah's back talking about it is going to rain, but it's not going to rain according to my word. And God is saying, you just go and show yourself to Ahab. I'm going to send some rain. And now Elijah's saying, you know what? Let's escalate this thing. Let's, Let's go on and find out whose God really is the God of salvation. Meet me at Mount Carmel. Get your prophets. Look at the story closely. And then I, I'm going to give you benediction. Look at the story closely. Look what it says in verse, verse 19. Send and gather me all Israel. Elijah says, get all Israel together. We're going up to Mount Carmel. Then look what he says. Gather with them the 450 prophets of Baal, the 400 prophets of asherah who ate at Jezebel's table. Elijah says get all your folk together meet me at Mount Carmel now notice Elijah doesn't call no other prophets don't call no other homies nobody Elijah said get all your folk together we're gonna go up to Mount Carmel and let's have a showdown I don't want to tell y'all the end of the story but it's too good to me now I gotta tell you now I'm too close to the end. You know what happened when they get to Mount Carmel, don't you? They get there and build altars. I'm gonna preach it again anyway, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you. They build altars. Ahab's prophets cry out. Come on now. Send some rain down here. Help us out. Read 1 Kings 18. It said they got the hollering so bad they won't hear nothing from the heavens and they start to cut themselves. Yeah, we need something. Give us a sign, some, a drop. We, we'll sell it for a drop. Just give us a drop. And then Elijah comes with a bit of sarcasm. Maybe you're God on vacation. You know, when you go on vacation, you shut the phone off to everybody. Can't nobody, nobody talking to you. I don't know. Maybe you got on vacation. I don't know. Cry harder, says Elijah. I don't know. They cried harder. Look at what the text says. Then Elijah said, "You know what? It's it's time out. It's this a grown folk work now." Bring me an altar right here. Build me an altar. And I want you to saturate it with fire. Just bring it here with water. Just saturate it with water. Saturate with water. Elijah says, y'all, y'all, go over there and sit in the corner. And watch, watch real work come to life. Yes, yes, y'all. Yeah, go get some band-aid or something. That stuff is, is leaking all over the place. Contamination kind of. Yeah, go sit down. No, no, you had your chance. Go on back and sit down. Just, just watch this. And the Bible says Elijah looks under heaven and calls on the name of his God. <laughs> Let me read it to you for a well, Look, 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 Elijah says, look at verse, look at uh, uh, verse uh, 36. No, verse 37. Answer me, Lord, that this people may know that thou art the God. Thou hast turned their backs. Uh, they're they're in their backs again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt offering and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. What, what, what kind of fire licks up water? just said, well, I try to tell y'all, when the rubber meets the road, th- th- this is what prayer is all about. You got to know how to talk to God. And when you, when you cry out to him in sincerity, God will send the word. Y'all was over there hollering. I told y'all, y'all God ain't nothing, ain't got no power, ain't nothing but that. He just a phony. Let me show you who the real God is. Oh, and by the way, have you noticed I ain't cut myself? See how whole I am? See, I ain't got no sweat. Because the God of my salvation walks with me and talks with me. And I already knew that he was going to set this moment up. Look what the Bible says. The Bible says that he not only lifted up, and when the people, all the people saw it, what happened? They fell on their faces, and they said, Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. We don't have to debate that anymore, said Elijah. We now know who God really is. The sure show ain't them prophets y'all talking about. And look what the text says, verse 40. Elijah said, "Seize the prophets. Don't let one of them get out of here. Now make them all pay." Look what he said. "So they seized them, brought them down to the Brook Kishon and helped them get laid to rest." That's one thing about living in the Old Testament you defy God it was a quick death just folk just cut you out quickly then the word says so Elijah went up to eat I'm sorry in verse 41 Elijah said to Ahab go eat drink for there was a sound of roar in the air I'm gonna stop right there because Elijah says now to Ahab see I told you don't mess with me I told you I knew who it was that answers prayer. And now I want you to see that what I said three years ago is true because now if you just shh can can you hear a little rumbling in the air? There's finally now some thunderclouds showing up. We ain't seen none in three years. But I told you it wasn't gonna come only according to my word. What's our lesson? Elijah had to wrestle with, do I got that much power? Just that single question, do I got that much power? Or a better translation, do I got it like that with God? And the answer is yes. Yes. That's why 1 Thessalonians 5.17 tells us to pray without ceasing. That's why Acts chapter two tells us that the church grew mightily because they continued together in the apostles' doctrine, and they ate together in fellowship, and they prayed together. You got more power than you you don't you don't even have a, we don't even have a clue as to how much power we really have. But as the late E. M. Bounds says, Satan works hard to keep us busy from praying. Because even Satan knows if they ever start praying, God will open the heavens and send the rain. And some of you got a moment in your life right now, you wondering, Lord, I'm in a drought. I've been in a famine for a long time. When am I ever going to grow anything from this point on? And God is saying, Look unto heavens, the hills from which comes your help. Pray unto him. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon his name while he is near. And he'll send the rains. He'll send the rains. All of this was done. It wasn't for Ahab, believe it or not. It wasn't for Elijah, believe it or not. It wasn't for Obadiah, believe it or not. It was done for Israel. Because as a nation, they had turned their back on God. And God says, as good as I've been to you, one way or another, I'm going to get you back to this space. You might want to ask yourself this question. Are you as committed as you used to be? Are you as faithful as you used to be? Or have you allowed something to prioritize over God? And God is just trying to get your attention. You know, it's an interesting thing. There are warning signs. You can run and run and run and run. The gas indicator will keep moving toward E more and more and more and more. And when it gets just about to E, there's a little illuminating Statement comes on the cluster, low and few, low and few. If you ignore it, won't be long. You riding high. All of a sudden, hesitation fits in, sits in, and it shuts down. And then you finally decide to look at the instrument cluster and you discover. Oh man. I done ran out of gas and you better hope and pray you're in close proximity to finding a gas station. The worst thing to do is run out of gas and gotta walk five miles and you don't even have a gas can and get, yeah, and no money and then get there and try to figure out not only do I need a gas can check this out go into the gas station do you have a gas can? yeah I ain't got no money can you give me some gas? what? give you some gas? yeah I ran a gas out on the highway five miles back and let me just say the only way you're going to sell it you're going to have to look post shut down struggling gasping for air you got asthma everything just let everything come out So bad that you go out in the front, he don't get no money, go out and sit on the front, just just lay out on the front. <laughs> he come out there and said, Come here, sir. Man, I tell you, I hate this job. You gotta always help somebody. he give you here, here's five dollars. That's all I need. Just give me a few dollars, even though it's two dollars and ninety cents a gallon. I take that. <laughs> two gallons is better than no gallon at all. <laughs> And if my car gets 15 miles to a gallon, I'm all right. Boy, I I know I can get back here. Now, when I get back here, I still ain't got no money, but at least I can get back out the run. But God has got indicators all across the path for us. We just got to read them, see them. And that's what he was trying to tell Israel. Obadiah was an indicator. Elijah was an indicator. Ahab was an indicator. You've left me. Revelation 3, you don't love me like you used to. The thrill is gone. Come back to me. That might be what the Lord is saying to somebody. Come back to me. I never left you. For some reason you left me. Don't do that. Because when the rubber meets the road, you need someone to navigate you on that road. Lord, let the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart be acceptable in your sight, for indeed you are our strength and our redeemer. May somebody this day leave this house, if nothing else, wrestling with is the words of Elijah true? Or maybe they have to wrestle with the question to Obadiah. Why am I, meant, why am I trying to fit in when I was born to stand out or they're wrestling with that which is in the heart of Elijah do I have it like that with God yes you do you got that kind of power in the name of Jesus we pray amen